looking at series Embracing the Ministry Gifts for Restful Increase. Embracing the Ministry Gifts for Restful Increase. We are looking at that series and Pastor has looked at the Apostolic Ministry. And last Sunday, very powerfully, he looked at the prophetic ministry. And the very first day, the apostolic ministry, he used five fingers to demonstrate what this ministry stands for. And he used another um, acronym, 5G acronym, to demonstrate as well what this ministry stands for. The apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral, and the teaching ministry. Can we remember the 5G? Mm -hmm. The first one? Governing. Guiding. Gathering. Guarding, yeah? Grounding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I owe you a cup of coffee or cappuccino. Forgetting it correctly. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we're dealing with the third version of that today. Please, if you've not, for sake of time, I wouldn't want to repeat the whole thing that Pastor has done justice to in the last two weeks. So please, you can visit our YouTube or go to our Facebook page or even the podcast, you see Apostolic Ministry and uh, prophetic ministry. So today we are looking at the evangelistic ministry. And I want to welcome everyone that is watching online as well. You are on Facebook, you are going to watch later on YouTube, or you're watching on, on any um, online platform, you're welcome. The same grace in this assembly this morning will meet you right where you are in the name of Jesus. So we're looking at the evangelistic ministry today. And you see the the, the subject of evangelism cannot be overemphasized in the body of Christ. Because it's a very serious aspect. It's a very serious aspect. Uh, it doesn't matter the, the opinion of man. I mean, you can, anybody can either believe or not believe the word of God, but you have that right as, as long as you live. So long as you are still Britain, you've got breath in your nostrils, you can argue all that. Uh, you, you, can, you can argue all that whether you believe the word of God or not is because you are still alive and you have right to argue. In our world, you see, human beings can manipulate opinion, but in death, that right is, is denied. That right is not allowed. You can manipulate opinion when you stand before God because when an individual stands before God, He's not standing before the God of mercy. He'll be standing before the God of judgment. In that realm. That's why Jesus said, as I hear, I judge. Jesus said, as I hear, I judge. And he said, my judgment is true. 
So God is a God of mercy while you're still here. But in death, he becomes a God of judgment. He, he administers justice. That's what the Bible says. Then I saw a great white throne. Uh, that is not my subject this morning, but I just want to say something. I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and gray, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged, judged, not given mercy. The dead were judged according to their works. But the things which were written in the books, the Bible said the sea gave up the dead who were in it. The sea. You know, a lot of people have died in high sea. Incidents in different lakes and seas. People have died in those places, you know, airplane diving into seas. The scripture says that the sea will give up their dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. The Bible said then, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. He said, this is the second death. And anyone not found written in that book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Irrespective, regardless of that individual's opinion while he was on earth. So this is the reason we have to embrace today this ministry of evangelism. It's serious. I just read to you um, Revelation chapter 20 from 11 to 15. But that's not our focus today. We have to embrace the ministry of evangelism. The evangelistic ministry. We need to take it very serious. That is the only reason Christ came here. That is the only reason Jesus became a man. The only reason was because of the soul of man. That's the only reason. Because of the soul of man. That's why he had to transit from divine abode into humanity through Mary to be able to deliver man from destruction. That's the only reason. That's the only reason he went to the cross and was crucified. That's the only reason he died. He even went to hell to preach to those that died before he came. To tell you how serious the souls of men were. If you read first Peter, you find out that he went down to hell to preach to those, to minister to them. The ones that have died. So that in the day of judgment, what I just read to you, they, didn't, they wouldn't say we did not hear. Because everything would throw out the dead for judgment. You see, God is a God of wisdom and he balances things. That's why Jesus had to go to hell. Not that he was suffered in hell, no. But he went to preach to those that have also died who are there. We're going to look at the ministry of evangelist or evangelistic ministry. Can we go to Ephesians chapter 4, our opening text this, this morning, 
as we as we look at what the scripture is saying concerning the church and evangelism hallelujah the bible says please i want you to follow me because we're going to be fast uh, because of time and i want you to be here just like pastor led powerfully the power tower this morning and he was saying if you're here be here if you left everything at home and he came to church please concentrate and focus so, so that you can you can grapple the reason that you you left everything to come here this morning Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says, and verse 7, the Bible said, To each, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each one of us, each one, I wanted to know, each one, yourself, myself, each one was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Because the what Bible says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone, to each one. Manifestation is given to everyone. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. It said the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone, to each one. And it's for the profit of all. Now the Bible says, therefore he says in verse 8. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does he mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might feel all things. And that he, that he might feel all things, verse 11. And he, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers it says it's for the equipping of the sense for the work of ministry for the defying of the body of christ or building of the body of christ in another version till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ hmm that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the herd Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. By what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the defying of itself in love. You see, Paul bonded a lot of things in here. Too many things. I will try to break it down, but I, even at that, I can't break down everything here because it will take time. So I'll try to break it down in context to what we're dealing with today. Then we move on. But before we do that, can we open um, Romans chapter 12? Romans 12 and verse 3. Romans 12, 3 to 8. We'll read it again. It says, For I say... Through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one. To each one 
emphasis to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, as we are seated here, many members in one body, the body, the church, but all the members do not have the same function. All the members do not have the same function. Is it having then? Sorry, verse 5. It says, so we, being many, as one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So each of us has gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. It says, let us use them. Can we say to ourselves, I will use my gifts. I will use the grace allotted to me. Is it having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us? Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministry. Who he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who sows, who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, if we go back to our opening scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, I'll try to break it the best way I can because there are too many truths in that place that needs to be um, um, dissipated or, or broken down to minute things that, that would enable us to understand it very well. Is it the five ministry offices that's listed here? Apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching ministry. They are for nurture and equipping of the church. It's for nurture and equipping of the church. It's not for control. Neither is it for ecclesiastical competition. It's not for ecclesiastical competition and it's not for hierarchical control of any individual or members. No. It's for the nurture and the equipping of the saints. When you look at the word equipping there, in verse If you look at the word equipping in verse 12, it says, For the equipping of the sense. There are two aspects of this equipping. The Greek word translated it, and there are two aspects of equipping. Number one is a recovered wholeness. A recovered wholeness. You know, I don't know how many of you that used um, very old phone when, you know, back in Africa, that's this phone that they used then is called a 310 Nokia. If that phone falls, everything is in time, but it falls and it scatters. The battery falls away, the cosmetics, you know, the SIM card, everything scatters. It's, it's scattered, but that doesn't mean that it's not still functional. <laughs> you see, you pick up the phone and you fix everything together just in a few seconds and you still, hello? <laughs> it's working. Praise the Lord. So the scripture says for the equipping because there are some saints in church they have the grace, they have the gifts but 
within their mind, uh, it's like everything is not together. It's all scattered. They don't know which direction to take. They don't know which ministry to fulfill. They don't know what exactly to, to be part of. The Bible says that God has given these gifts. And it took Christ dead to be able to have ability to offer, to extend this gift to the church. Because that's why Paul was given that revelation, you know, given that uh, uh, scripture in Psalms in context to say that he that ascended or first of all descended, that he might be able to have the capacity required to extend these gifts to men. So the Bible says, the gifts were extended to these offices for the equipping of the saints. And one of it is a recovered wholeness. Remember that woman with issue of blood, right? That woman, she, the healing was actually within, but she was still having issues. But the Bible says when Jesus touched her, she was made whole, complete. He, that, that brought completeness into her. That's the equipping. Equipping. When you receive a touch from God, from the Holy Ghost, you will be complete. You will be complete with nothing missing and you know exactly what you are in the body for. Because all of us can see one member but many parts called the body into it. Second is a discovered function. Discovered function. Discovered function as part of the equipping. So that we can know when we put everything together and then we have a direction, we now know how to trigger. We now know how to trigger that aspect of our lives. That ministry, we know how to trigger. We know how to encourage it. We know how to motivate it. We know how to make it to produce in accordance to what God has designed. That equipping. Remember, when he met Solomon, first King chapter 3, he said, ask what you want. Solomon said, you know I am but a child. I have these great people surrounding me, but I cannot speak. Anyone that comes into the body always feels insufficient. He called Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, I am but what a child. I cannot speak. So God, Jesus has given these offices and the men that occupy these offices, you know, this capacity to be able to equip the saints so that they will no longer say, I am but a child and I cannot speak. Because, you see, I've been observing my little girl for the past five months plus now. I observe her every day. And I discovered that there's always a change in behavior, a change in functionality each month that, that enters. There's always something that improves her previous state. I, I watch that. And I also watch that, you know, with time, the food content, you know, the supply, the, the, nutri the, the nutrients that we give to her begins to change as well. I mean, when, when, when she's two years old, she can't, she can't be asking for mother's bread. No. More, uh, bre breast milk. No, she can't do that. That's what the Bible said that when we have need of meat, in Hebrews chapter 5, we are still asking for milk. So this is why God, Jesus, has given these offices to equip the saints. 
So a discovered function so that be a proper operation. We can operationalize. You know, in all the word of God, there are certain oppressions that you won't find written verbatim in the scripture. Now, when you are built up and equipped, you find out that the Holy Spirit will begin to uh, 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 teach you and begin to navigate your spirit, begin to put your mind together, begin to let you know how to operationalize the word content that is in your spirit, man. You will read that in the scripture. But the scripture will prepare you. That's what the Bible said that the man of God might be thoroughly. Who is the man of God? The pastor? No, it's not what it's referring to. It's referring to the body of Christ. The members of the body, the saints in church, that they might be thoroughly furnished, equipped. Thoroughly. He said thoroughly. Not just to be furnished. Be thoroughly furnished. To be equipped. Now, the scripture says, the Bible says again, for the work of ministry, for the work of the min of ministry, for the defying of the body of Christ, the work of ministry. He said, the work of, the work of ministry is the enterprise. Of every member of the body. It's not, it's not an exclusive charge of the select leaders. No. It is the enterprise of each member. I wrote it down here. The work of the ministry is the enterprise of each member of the body. It's not the exclusive charge of the select leaders. No. It's for the work of the ministry. But what is the task of these gifted leaders? To cultivate the individual and corporate ministry of the members of the body. To cultivate it. That's why I said to the building or defying of the body of Christ. The Bible says till we all come. How many of us? How many? Pastors? Bishops, evangelists, he said, till we all, how many? Till we all come to the unity of the faith. The faith that was, that was once delivered to the saints. That's the one he's talking about. The establishment of the knowledge of Christ. That's what he's talking about. That's why he's used the, the definite article here. He said, of the faith. Till we all come to the unity. What is the unity of faith? Let me show you. Can, can I have Acts of Apostles chapter 4, please? Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I want to show you a demonstration of the unity of faith. A demonstration of the unity of faith. Let's look at Acts of Apostles chapter 4. Are we there? 23. If, if you look at the Bible, say, I'm being let go. They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Verse 24. So when they heard, when who heard they, the church, 
When they heard, they raised their voice. Say when they heard, they raised their voice. When they heard, they raised their voice. So when they heard the church, I want to give you a, a, an illustration or a demonstration or an evidence of the unity of faith in the body of Christ. The Bible says, being let go, they went back to their own. And when they heard what happened, they raised their voice to God with one accord. With what? One accord. And said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the, and the people plot vain things? The king of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed Christ. Now, are they just quoting the scriptures? There's something they're doing here. See, all together in unity, in one accord, they leveraged on a pattern that they know. They leveraged on a pattern that they studied from the scroll. They leveraged on a pattern. First of all, thanksgiving. That was why. They stole him first. He said, Lord, you are the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and all this. And they, extol, they stole and exalted him first. It's a pattern. It's a pattern they follow. Then they look for a scripture that justified the request that they're about to make. And it's not just Peter. The Bible says they. How many? That's what is called unity of faith. And in one accord. So they knew the scripture in Psalms chapter 2, chapter 2 that this scripture justifies anybody that tries to challenge the authority of the advancement of the kingdom comes under the judgment of the scripture. They knew. And they, they all came together. And quoted that. Now the Bible says, if you look at 27, 28, 29, 20, 30, they made that prayer together in same understanding. Now the Bible says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled. They, when they had prayed, they, and the place was shaken, and they were all filled. They, the member, the body, the members, each individual in the body, they were filled because they demonstrated the unity of faith in one accord. They knew that when you come to God, you must bring forth your strong reason. You must present your, your, your strong reason. You must declare thou according to Isaiah. They knew before you can be justified. They knew you have to bring forth your strong reasons. So, they acted in unity of faith. You know, that's what the Bible says. If we see uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 20, it says, in understanding, be mature. In understanding, be what? Be mature. It says, in understanding, be men. That's what it says. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. But unfortunately today, in churches, you see people are mature in malice and babes in understanding. I mean, I'm speaking respectfully. And, and I want everyone to, you know, I, I don't know if I offend anyone, I, I, I like to apologize in advance. He said, in understanding be mature. 
but the malice in anger, in any bitterness, be babes, be, be like a child. Treat it like a, like a child who treats, you know, any, any, any offense. But in different churches, you find that people are mature in malice, mature in anger, analytical in offense, but in understanding that can cause unity in the body of Christ. They are children. It's not our portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Now the Bible says again that they were of one heart. If you look at that place we read again, as of Apostle chapter 4, 32 and 35, 30, yeah, 32 and 33 rather, it said now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one heart and one soul. One heart and one soul. Now look at verse 33 there. He said, because they have that unity of faith, one heart and one soul, the Bible says great power and great grace was upon them all. Was upon how many? How many? My emphasis is the body this morning. The Bible said great power and great grace, I'm paraphrasing, was upon them not just the pastor, not just the apostles, not just the family, it was upon them all. Everyone. One heart, one soul. God grants his church of today, one heart and one soul. In the name of Jesus. Because without it, great power will not come. Without it, one uh, great grace will not come. The Bible says, with great power, they gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord. And the Bible says, and great grace was upon them all. Because of oneness, they were able to minister effectively. Now, there's something that barriers, ah, like I said, it's not possible to break down this whole thing. But if we have an understanding as mature Christians, then we will no longer be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of diverse doctrine. And the Bible calls it the trickery of men. And pastor was giving us some of it last Sunday, the trick of men in the cunning craftiness of, of deceitful plotting. Different kinds of things. I don't want to go into them because of time. I have more precious time to deal with this. But, but all sorts are happening in the body of Christ today. More people call themselves than the ones God called. More. Call themselves. And when they call themselves, they know they are actually called themselves. So it becomes a merchandise. It becomes a platform. For personal enrichment. Because they call themselves. And they know supply can't come from above. Now they call themselves. They know. Because Jesus said when I sent you. Like you know anything. They said nothing. But if he didn't send you what will happen? You lack everything. So when that happens. They leverage on the ministry of, of, of Simon in Samaria. Before Philip arrived. Sorcerer. Different kinds of machinations. A lot of my friends don't like me. Because when they teach something that is wrong, I'll call them for, hey, 
I know you're a big man of God now, but you see this thing you thought today is wrong. It's wrong. Forget about that. You have 10,000. Whatever. It's wrong. Because if in that 10,000 trumpet sounds, more than 9,000 goes to hell, you have failed totally. Praise the Lord. So we're going to deal with something that barriers because every one of us is given. You can see that grace is given to you. Grace is given. There is grace that something within you that is there asking you to use me. That thing is asking. Craving for your indulgence to say, engage me. I am lying fallow within your spirit, man. That's what the Bible said. The one that will prophesy or teach you say, let them use them. Let them use those gifts. It's for usage. Praise the Lord. But there is one impediment in my observation and according to scripture that I have found that impedes anything evangelical in the body of Christ. Because you see, Jesus does not just use people. Yes. He he, he is very meticulous in who he sends out. Praise the Lord. Now, we are going to look at something very important that we need to deal with right now. The flesh. The what? The flesh. The flesh. The flesh. And you'll be asking, what, 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 is, what, is, what is the flesh? The flesh. Can, can we look at um, Romans chapter 7? Romans 7, please. Romans 7. Don't mind me, I love my Bible, my hard copy. Okay, Pastor is very uh, ticky with gadgets, but I love this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm both old school and new school, too, combined. Integrated approach. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says in verse... Chapter 7 and verse 18. Verse. Chapter 7 and verse 18. Am I in Romans 7 at all? No, okay. Right. Verse 18. Now it says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. You know who is talking? Who is talking? It's not a baby Christian. This is someone that God has granted access into deeper realms of the spirit, things of the spirit. He said that in my flesh, nothing good dwells. In my flesh, there's nothing good that dwells there. There's a stronghold in my flesh that makes it impossible for me to know how to perform, though I know it's inside. But how to execute the content that is inside, he said, I found out because I feel a constraint within. 
said as a constraint. He said, in me, nothing ah. He says, there is a hindrance to my plans, to the things I want to do. That's a hindrance to evangelism. That's a hindrance to reaching out to people, to advancing the kingdom. That's a hindrance. It's, that hindrance is my flesh. Paul was exposing the tragedy. He was exposing the tragedy of living in the realm of the flesh. So he was exposing the tragedy, the imminent doom of anyone who has subscribed to live. He said, the destination is that nothing good will come out of it. He said, once I subscribe to live under the government of that flesh, Paul is saying, nothing good. He said, the destination is already fixed. The fate of any Christian, no matter the gift, no matter the grace, any Christian who will subscribe to living under the government of the flesh, he said, the fate is already fixed. That's what he's saying. Nothing good come out of it. So anything in the flesh has no future. Anything that thinks and lives and acts in contradiction to the agenda and to the word of God is the Mr. Flesh. Anything that contradicts, anything that lives, anything that thinks, anything that acts in contradiction or in conflict to the provisions of God's word against the ways of God is the flesh. Is the flesh. The Bible says, within this flesh is the lust of the eyes. Is the lust of the flesh. Is the pride of life. Within the flesh. Is vainglory, self-centeredness, self-exaltation, Me first, me, 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 me. No agape expression in their living. Hmm. Me, me, me. He says, he says, for I know, and every Christian knows this, if you are in the flesh, you know what is going on in your life. And you know the destination. It's if I know in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present. I can will that I would, I would, I would reach out to so and so so today, tomorrow. But how to perform it when it's time? He said, I get paralyzed. I get incapacitated. I don't find the expression to perform what I plan to do for the kingdom. See, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be remedied. There's a remedy for it. There's a remedy for it. Because you see, in, in Psalms 51, if we look at verse, six, verse 5, David said, in sin, he said, sin, he said, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin, my mother conceived me. The next verse, but it says something. It said, behold, but you desire truth in the inward parts. 
And in the hidden part, he said, you will make me to know wisdom. In me, you desire something. But in sin, my mother conceived me. But the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please. The Bible says from verse 45, the Bible says, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual, the next verse, the Bible says, as was the man, as was the man, is that 46 now? 46, please. He said, however, okay, 47, sorry, 47. Now he said, the, the first man was of the earth, made of dust, the second man is the Lord from heaven. The next verse, it says, it says, as was the man of dust, the man that was conceived from sin, so also are those who are made of dust, and as is the man, the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Mm -hmm. So you can see behavior is based on who, who, who you subscribe to. Now the next verse, the next verse says, and as we have, and as we are born, the image of the man of dust as we're conceived in sin. As we're conceived, my little girl, eh? I'm born again, the mother is born again, right? But my little girl needs to verbalize his, her faith to be saved. So I'm targeting once she's three and she can call Papa straight away. And Holy Ghost, next one. I, I won't give her a chance at all. No chance. No chance. Praise the Lord. Because when the trumpet sounds, I can't help her. I can't help her. I can't help her. Somehow the Lord has given me, you know, how to deal with this girl. As she's, she's, I told her, in, by your 18, I already told her, see what you'll be doing. And the Lord told me, I don't know. So, we have a responsibility as parents. We, we do. So that when you are going for evangelism, they too will follow you because children observe. They live by observation until they come to age of accountability. They observe what you do. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, as we are born the image of the man of dust, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly man. The next verse. Verse 50. It said, Where we have we gotten to 49? 49. Just 49, please. The, yes, verse 49. 49, verse. Yes. It says, As we are born the image, thank you. As we've born the image of the man of the dust, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly man. So we have responsibility to bear the image of Jesus as well. I know that in iniquity we are conceived, but we are now saved and we are Christians. And because we are Christians, we cannot allow the flesh to dominate our lives anymore. No, we cannot subscribe because there's a stronghold within the mind that's fortified by demon spirits. Yes. They are fortified by demon spirits and they motivate. A Christian cannot be possessed in his or her spirit. Get that. But the mind of a Christian can be possessed. The mind of a Christian. That's why when a Christian asks you, you're like, is that really a Christian? Yes, he's a Christian. But the only thing is that in that person's flesh dwelleth what? No good. So anytime you offend 
him. And if he subscribes to that government, what happens? He pulls one, you know, strand from that component and show you, say, hmm, if not that I, I'm born again, eh? You see this one? God have mercy on you. You know, praise the Lord. But we, we need to destroy that completely. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Galatians 5 verse 16. Is there a remedy? Yes, that's a remedy. You can see the tragedy of dwelling in the flesh and, and the doom of living in the fleshly realm. Even, even revelational truths you won't have access to. Because the Bible says that a carnal man, carnal man is the man in the flesh, the woman in the flesh. A carnal man cannot know. He said, cannot. So it's cut off from him. Cannot know the things of the spirit. He said, he, he can, it's a need that can he access it because they are spiritually discerned. So it's not in the realm where he can discern them. The Bible said they are spiritually discerned. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now if we look at that, the Bible said that the solution is this. Walk. Can we read it together? I say then, walk in the spirit and what? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The next verse. The next verse. For the flesh lost against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So you can see that the assignment of the flesh is to attack any progression in the spirit. So the assignment of the flesh is to consistently or constantly or continuously violate the ways of the spirit. Anytime you make attempt to live spiritually, Mr. Flesh says no. The Bible says the flesh is the one launching the attack against your spiritual state. It is the flesh. It's the flesh. It's the flesh. It influences even your thoughts. Sometimes you know feel, oh, are you sure this prayer has actually get answered, Mr. Flesh? On Sunday, do I really need to go to church or do I need to study my Bible here? Mr. Flesh. Because the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of brethren as men, some did, and they were wrecked, right? Now, the Bible says that Mr. Flesh launches an attack against the spirit every now and then. And the spirit also launches attack against the flesh, depending on which influence you allowed into your life. Depending on which influence. Both of them are control. Both of them. Flesh is a control. Spirit is a control. The Holy Ghost is a control. He controls individuals. If you subscribe to him, that's when he will use you. So, you see, my point this morning is, until you deal with these things, it becomes very difficult for Jesus to use that individual to accomplish. You know, the Bible says we are ambassadors, Right? And God through us is pleading to reconcile men to God, right? But 
you cannot use a Christian in the flesh. That's the problem. Can we look at Mark as we close? Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. As we, as we, as we tidy up this morning. Mark 3, 14. Mark 3, 14. Mark 3 and number 14. The Bible said, Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. First, that they what? Might be. Did you see that in your Bible? That they might, first of all, he appointed the twelve, but he wants them to be trained under his government first. He wants to destroy anything that's fleshly. He wants to destroy anything that will be a barrier to, to, to preaching the kingdom of God. He wants to destroy, because he knows if flesh doesn't give way, evangelism will become ineffective because it says, Look at Luke chapter, Matthew, can we have Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, 37, is it 38, the last two verses there. Matthew chapter 9, please. Sorry, I'm jumping scriptures now because of time. Matthew chapter 9. Can we have it? Yeah, the very last, yeah. It said, then, yes, thank you. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. That's what we read in our uh, responsive reading in the morning. He said, then he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. What? Is it that there were no people around him? There were. But he said the laborers. Because the ones that he had, if he sends them out, they will not achieve anything. You know, look at, look at the next verse. The next verse. Verse 38. He said, he said, therefore, pray. Ah. He, he said, he said, therefore, let there be a spiritual, uh, uh, a spiritual activity that will convert believers or but people within the body to become much more effective than they are. If not, though they are there presenting themselves to be used, but they cannot be used. Why? Because they'll be ineffective in the field. Next verse 10. 10 and verse 1. The Bible says, look at why he said pray. He says, and when he had called his 12 to himself, he gave them power. You see, over, because he knows as they are preaching, they will meet unclean spirits. You see that? The next verse. He said, to cast out, sorry, stay, stay, stay in that verse, please. He said, to cast out. No, no, verse 1. I just need verse 1. He said, to cast out, to cast demons out, and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. They know. He knows as they advance, they will meet unclean spirits to challenge them. Did you don't see that in Acts 19? He said, I know these men. They are the men that show us the way of God. And the Bible says, and one of the apostles rebuked him. That is what you meet as you go to evangelize. One of these, we were in city center, and three young guys. This one says it is. This one says it is. This one says it. I think I called Bramatas, and who else? Is it? I said, okay, let come. What do you want to say? They said, want to say the power of God. I said, okay, let's pray. We began to pray there, and began to speak in tongues, and one began to, you know, I, I know when power of God comes on people, I, and I asked, we in the midst of the prayer, I said, are you feeling anything? They said, yes, yes, yes. I said, that's the power you're asking for. Three young guys. So, 16, 18, 20, atheist. How can you be atheist? What do you know that? What, what conviction that has given you atheism? 
<laughs> so he knows that when they are going out, they will meet up. And you see, these are unclean demonic spirits. That's unclean spirits. They can kill you if you're not equipped spiritually. That's what he's, he's saying. So he didn't want to send people to victimize their lives. Rather than victimizing their lives, it's better to leave them with him until they are trained. So, laborers were not actually actual, not that it, it was not, a, you know, deficiency of people, of number of people around him, but it was deficiency of eligible candidates who has contacted the ability to stop any demonic oppression in the field. Who has contacted ability to stop any sickness in the field? Who has contacted ability? You can see anytime he goes into synagogue, there's always somebody there to be healed. Always. When Paul landed at the island of Malta, we saw that the gods of that place through the snake came and hit him. What did he do? He shook it off. And the next person, the, 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 the prominent person that the father was sick, he went there, laid hands. And the next day was a crusade. Why? That is the only way to make evangelism you know, efficacious. The only way to make evangelism effective is by the power. The Bible says he called them and gave them power. He said, he said, he called them that they might first of all be with him and then he will send them out to preach the gospel with power. That power is the word exousia. E-X-O-U-S-I-A is the word exousia. There are four different types of power. I, I, there's no time I can't I can get into that. There's dynamis, there is there's kratos, there is iskus, then there is exousia. Exousia is delegated authority. Even Jesus when he was here, he used that delegated authority until he died and came back. So that delegated authority is the right to use dynamis. The right to dynamis is the one in Acts of Apostles chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible said, and also the one you know we just read now. He said, Give the power, that's dynamis. So the right to use dynamis is a susia, that's delegated authority. And he wants you to effectively use that when you go for evangelism. You can't go for evangelism and not meet. See, I remember. One time I was working with a ministry while I, I think I was still a student or something. Yes, I was still a student. I was about going for service, something like that. But there's a ministry called Diplomats Assembly. You may have known it. They have branches in South Africa and, and Kenya and all that. I was working with that ministry. Not as a pastor, just a member. Just I wasn't even a full member. I was just supporting them because they planted a new branch. I remember we went for evangelism in a particular hostel. And I don't know what came upon me that day, but... I was literally giving everyone word of knowledge about their situation. The next day, they didn't find space in church. Because those guys called their friends. All of them. The next day, the church was packed. There's no way you can do effective evangelism without the power of God. It's impossible. But just know, as we conclude in one, two minutes, just know that God is counting on you to bring souls to the kingdom. Because he says that the soul of one man is more important than the wealth of the whole world. That's why I say, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What is he saying? He's trying to tell you that the devil uses the world to transact on the souls of men. That's what he's saying. 
So he's saying that he needs effective evangelists or apostles or pastors, whoever that would operate the gifts of the evangelistic ministry to gather souls back into the kingdom. And the danger, that's the danger of not bearing fruit. I didn't have time to get into that. That's a danger of not bearing fruit in the kingdom. There is a danger of not bearing fruit in the kingdom. The Bible says in Mark 11, as I round up, in Mark 11, the Bible says about verse 13 or so, Jesus saw a tree, fig tree. The tree had an argument because it was not time for it to bear fruit. Jesus caused the fruit, not the tree. When you read the Bible, try to you know, pick it one after the other. He caused the fruit. He said, let no man eat fruit from thee. Henceforth. He said, no man will eat fruit from thee forever. Henceforth, forever. But the next day, the Bible says that Peter observed that the entire tree has withered. He didn't cause the tree. He caused the inability to bear fruit. And it affected the bearer of the branches without fruit. There were leaves on the fruit, on the tree. But he said he went close to see whether he would find any fruit. And he caused the fruit, not the tree, but the tree was affected. So that's the danger. In Luke 13, the Bible says that the, the owner of the vineyard came. The vineyard is the church. The owner is, the, is Christ. Came and looked at the tree. He said, told the keeper, I said, this tree is occupying space. It's not bearing fruit for three years now. Cut it down. And the man said, give it one more year. Look at it. Look at it from six. Give it one more year. If it doesn't, if it bears fruit, he said, well. But if it doesn't, then we cut it down. And Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And ordained you. That's why he needs you to be with him before he can send you out. And ordained you. That's John chapter 15 verse 16. And ordained you, he said, that you might go and bear fruit. And that fruit will abide. And he said, that fruit will become your platform to get your prayer request. Do you see that? He said, and whatsoever you ask in my name, that I may give it to you. So if the fruit is not there, it means that your prayer might be genuine, but the answer will not come. Go to your organization now. If you are not productive and you, you, you make requests to your boss, at some point, he will stop. Though the requests are genuine, they won't give it to you. But when the productive one shows up, makes the same request with speed, it will come. That's why, look at that verse 16 very well. In chapter 15 of John. It says, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. And will tend you first. Then you go. That you may bear fruit and that your fruit may abide. And based on that account, whatever you ask in my name, I give you. Can we rise to our feet? Can we rise to our feet as we, as we pray?